0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, questions questions or comments or descriptions of experience? Yeah. And uh, the mics are on the floor. Um, would you pass the mic back behind you?
1: So, so as I was walking I, I was walking in a relaxed, comfortable pace, and I was aware of globally of the body and uh, what was going on through hearing and seeing and the eye sensor, <clears throat> and then the question—the question that I have—is what I observed in terms of the mind. So then I, 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 the, the attitude of the mind came to awareness, and when I asked the question, "How does the mind experienced resistance. Um, Then there was resistance to answer the question. There was resistance to think about an answer. Uh There was a quiet answer to it, and and there was a part of the entire being that was like resistant, Don't, don't go there. Um, and then there was another part well you want to learn to describe the mind you know so my question is in that moment of being in conflict with going into thinking it was like a resistance going into thinking what is the best what is a wise way to receive that experience
0: yeah So I would encourage in general, um, you know, in dropping in these questions, like what is, how does the mind experience resistance to, rather than it uh, being an exploration of thinking about, more just receiving the experience and trust that, that a description of that experience will begin to present itself over time and not necessarily having to figure out the language in this moment. In my own experience, the more familiar we become, just even with the question of, how's the mind experiencing this? And we talked about this earlier in the week, you know, just being able, learning how to describe or learning how to touch into the experience of the mind. um, uh, it, It can take some time to first just begin to have that experience, to touch into the experience, and over time, over the repeated meeting of experience, The language begins to connect itself to that. So you don't have to figure out the language so much. I would encourage you to just more be curious about the question and then just notice what you notice, which actually gave you a little bit more of a hit of what the resistance is because you were resisting doing that. So um, yeah, you don't have to be in a rush to be able to describe it, Um, but more uh, be interested in kind of the almost the mysteriousness of knowing the mind uh, you know it's it's not for me at least it was, it's not obvious how to describe it initially i feel like i'm you know i'm i'm understanding that as i go yeah mm-hmm. over here I think you. You have to push the button on the side. Just under the...
2: Yeah. What's the difference between this practice, if any difference, and something like a more general open awareness with noting, like hearing, listening, seeing, feeling, but but being more engaged with the world as you're doing it rather than sitting in quiet meditation? Um.
0: So what is the difference between a more general open awareness practice and this practice? It may be very similar depending on how you're engaged with an open awareness practice. Um, What I would say is that in this practice we are interested in both what we are aware of that stream of experience, you know, the seeing, the hearing, the, the movement, the emotions, the thoughts, so all of the objects of awareness. But we're also exploring what does it mean to be aware of that, so exploring more the side of the mind. And so um, some more open awareness is more object-oriented. This one, um, we can start with the object, uh, object, knowing the objects, which we're doing with what's obvious, but the question, this actually points to something that um, sometimes comes up. The question, am I aware? For instance, um, I, I, I say, if you can even remember to ask the question, you get to answer yes. <laughs> and so some people in, in hearing that say, well, what's the point then? You know, Why bother to ask the question? And partly it's because it begins to point us to recognize or understand what it is to be aware. So it's pointing back to the mind. It's pointing back to recognizing this is the experience of awareness. Without that question, we kind of just blow right by the fact that we can know what it is to be aware as opposed to being centered on the uh, the objects of awareness. And so this, I would say, in general... Um, open awareness practices can lead and will lead you to also be aware of the awareness itself. This one does it more explicitly perhaps Um, and the question about the attitude of mind also takes us back to the mind. How are we relating? How are we relating to the experience? So that's what I'd say but it, it may well be that the open awareness awareness practice may be very similar to this one. I talk to people who have practiced in some of the Tibetan open awareness traditions, the Dzogchen practice or the Mahamudra practices. Actually, I've been reading a book recently by a Mahamudra master and the description of his experience is very similar to what I experience through this style of practice. So so some of those open awareness practices and other traditions are very similar, in effect at least, in terms of what we begin to notice in the mind. Yeah. Thank you.
2: I have a few. It's on. A few questions on the technique, but uh, so pick and choose whatever you feel is relevant, and then the rest, let me figure it out if you feel it? like. <laughs> OK. Um, so I'm wondering about how we choose to navigate these questions, like a changing between the three or rotating. So am I aware, and what's of use, and then what is my relationship to, to okay. that. Uh-huh. Um, and also the pacing of it. And um, I'm also wondering when we kind of do a general open awareness a practice like this. And uh, so what's of use, something will come up. And then it's kind of related to the pacing. It's how long do we attend to that object? Like what's what's helpful for cultivating our, our mindfulness? Because it could be, I find sometimes my mind is very, very sparse, very like there's many objects. And so it's like... Hearing, seeing all over the place but that can feel a little superficial so sometimes I feel it's useful to kind of once that receptivity comes intently you know stay with it a little bit and try to you know like maybe if it's some kind of sensation of pressure if I stay a little bit longer I'll figure out oh actually it's more like a vibration and you know Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so, yeah. So, um, thank you. I think all of your questions are, are, are useful to explore. Um, so, the use of the questions, I would say, um, at the beginning of the practice, it's particularly useful to connect to those first two questions Am I aware and of what? just as a, a way to begin to get the continuity of mindfulness going, you know, to, to connect to am I aware of what. As we go in the in the practice, as the, the mindfulness gets stronger, sometimes we can just drop back to just am I aware, and already the mind will know what it's aware of. And, and so we notice the awareness, and in that noticing the, of the awareness, already there's a, a, an understanding of what. And so you don't have to even ask the question. So uh, it's, it's partly, um, it's an art form, I would say, the navigation of the questions, and it's not, there's not a specific answer. It's more beginning to play with them. It's kind of like riding a bicycle, you know, you play with these tools and you begin to understand how they serve you, how they keep you balanced, how they keep <coughs> you moving. And so the, the tools at times may feel like they're useful to engage in pretty continuously and sometimes feels more stepped back. So play with it what feels useful. Um, The question about what's the relationship, I would say... um, Sometimes people can get a little enthusiastic about that question at times. And it's like, oh, okay, well, well, what's my attitude about that? Well, I don't like it. Well, what's my attitude about not liking it? And what's my attitude about that and that and that? It can kind of be this endless regress kind of feeling. Um, And so I like to encourage a little more sparseness with the use of that question. Uh, Over time, it becomes very natural that that orientation to, what here's what I'm aware of, and the how begins to, to be more, again, it's, it's, uh, we're training the mind to be curious about how we're relating to experience. And so very naturally over time, the mind orients to just know that. So we, we notice we're aware, we notice what we're, what we're aware of and how we are with it. But again, that takes some training. So initially at the beginning, I like to suggest that there's some useful times to check the attitude. The first useful time is if it feels like there's any kind of struggle happening. So just kind of be with the experience. Am I aware of what? And if it feels like it's hard or you're struggling or it's tense, check the attitude. If there's any kind of struggle happening, there's usually some attitude in the mind that is resisting or wanting something to be different. Um, so, So that's a useful time to check the attitude. If there's a struggle in the meditation, if it feels like it's hard to meditate, check the attitude. Another useful time is on return from the mind wandering. So the mind wanders off into thought. Um, Often in that wandering off into thought, we get hooked by some story. Not always. Sometimes it just drifts. But sometimes it gets hooked into some kind of a story. And in getting hooked into a story, um, often in that story are associated or in that narrative are associated some emotional responses, some reactions. And just because our mind has gone into that narrative, often those emotions actually get constructed in the moment. They get get constructed while we're wandering off into thought. And if when we return from a wandering, if we're just kind of uh, bringing ourselves back to oh here now that 's not here now, and we 're kind of almost pushing away that narrative and not opening to what 's been constructed as a result of that narrative and sometimes that what 's been constructed it 's like it 's like if we've if we 've gone into a thought, for instance about being angry with somebody, a conversation that was productive of anger, and we in return from that, just kind of say, Okay, well, that was then. What am I aware of? We may not notice that very subtly that attitude that was constructed in the wandering mind has been applied to our experience in the present moment. And so there's a frustration that's like oh, frustration. Okay, okay, well I'm going to be present here. And so in a way that uh, the wandering mind can construct attitudes that then kind of su- get subverted into the present moment experience. And so noticing that Relationship, noticing the attitude on returning from uh, being lost in thought. So that's another useful time. So when you're suffering, uh, if when you're returning from being lost in thought. Another useful time to check the attitude is if it feels like it's going really well. Um, different kinds of things can reveal themselves there. Um, one might be kind of the the greed or the self-congratulations <laughs> that's going on about, oh yeah, I'm doing this really well. I'm probably the best meditator in the room or something like that. You know, the, that, that kind of, um, sometimes we can own or kind of pick up the feeling of it going very well and um, kind of, it's, it's, there's a greed there that can happen. So that's one thing that can happen. It's one way that we can be relating when it feels like it's going really well. Another thing that we can begin to recognize when we when we notice actually it's going really well is checking the attitude then may actually start to show us some very beautiful wholesome qualities of mind. You know, it's like the the the, the mindfulness is 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 moving along and the mind feels pretty calm, pretty at ease, peaceful. Maybe there's a feeling of connectedness. There's a lot of expressions of what we can call wise attitude or helpful attitude in the mind. And when it feels like it's going well, we may be able to touch into some of those experiences that we might not actually have recognized. It's like, yes, this is what it's like to feel calm. This is what it's like to feel delight. So noticing, for instance, you might be recognizing some uh, difficult emotion, and yet it feels like, yeah, I'm able to be with this. What's the attitude? A kind of delight or even joy can be revealed as the relationship to that experience of, oh, I'm seeing this so clearly. So those are three useful times to check the attitude. And I'd say, in general, you know, checking the attitude, the use or pacing of that question, I would say is you know every few minutes, uh, and over time it becomes more of a of an organic kind of of question. Um, the pacing around the first two questions, aware of what depends a little bit on it 's kind of like those questions are like the tapping of the scooter you know it 's like I talked about. The effort being just like the gentle tap 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 of somebody riding one of those razor scooters, um, so the effort or the the frequency with which you ask those questions is kind of like the level of effort you 're making, so aware of what and it may it may just be what 's obvious what 's obvious and so and it could be that you would use the noting there kind of in a way to acknowledge what 's kind of flowing by, as I just uh, demonstrated a little while ago. So that's that kind of connection with what's obvious is like the tapping of the scooter. You're just kind of really just orienting to, oh, this, this is what's happening, this is what's happening, this is what's happening. And over time we begin to get a sense of what's skillful. Um, it, may be, it may be that, um, you know, noting or acknowledging every second keeps that engine of mindfulness going. But it may be at some some point that that frequency is actually in the way of the noticing. And so again, this is an art form at this point. We begin to recognize um, that doing of recognizing or doing of checking in. Am I aware of what? It's a pretty obvious function in the mind. And the more... The mindfulness gets rolling. The um, the more that kind of obvious function of mind is actually obscuring things that can be noticed. As the uh, as the mindfulness gets more continuous, so when the mindfulness uh, it feels more like the mindfulness is going, um, and we're on a, like a little wave of the mindfulness that mindfulness can just begin to reveal it begins to as it gets more continuous as mindfulness gets established it begins to reveal subtler levels and layers of our experience the the functioning of the mind that's checking in am i aware am i aware that's kind of that will obscure at some point what we are aware of and so again it's a there's not an easy or simple answer to the question. It's a lot about what's happening in this moment and what's supportive or skillful for you. Then the question about the um, you know noticing kind of the the rapid uh, changing of experience and you know it feeling kind of superficial or uh, when to actually connect or be a little more continuous with an experience. What I would say in this practice we are. What we're doing is trying to establish mindfulness with a very light touch, so that it can, um, so that the mindfulness can become more continuous. And then, when mindfulness becomes more continuous, it moves, it, it moves to that deeper level, um, very naturally. So we can kind of direct the attention to a particular aspect, like, oh, there's a pressure. Okay, let me feel that pressure. Oh, I feel a vibration in there. So you, you ca- we can do that um, a kind of to as, as a, a way to um, support a continuity of mindfulness in a way. It, it, it and, and if we are aware or if we're familiar with the way we can kind of dive underneath and get familiar with that kind of... Uh, more subtle experience, we may have some greed about that, and so I would encourage in the checking to stay with some experience. What's the attitude? You know, why do you want to do that? Um, is it is it because you feel like this? You know, what you described was this is too superficial. You know, this this isn't where it's at. Um, the the kind of just knowing things happening and a belief essentially that staying with something for longer is more helpful so that's to me sounds like the motivation that you you had the belief that the staying with an experience directing the attention was going to be more supportive for you that's a belief and it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy it it um because in with that belief we won't explore the possibility of being with the kind of broader experience for long enough for the mindfulness to stabilize for there to be a deeper understanding that can arise out of being present for the more changing experience so uh, understanding that, that that is a belief is useful uh, and you know i would say that this practice of being more receptive and just allowing things to come to you, it takes some trust, um, and it is in some ways, it for some people at least, for some people, for some people, it it's like they've come home in this kind of practice. It's like, oh, thank goodness, I don't have to stay with the breath. You know, this is this feels so much more natural and so much for, more connected. For others, it feels much more scattered or superficial, and. Um, you know, it's, it's just different minds functioning in different ways. Um, let's see, there was some piece that I wanted to bring in here. Well, it seems to be gone at this moment. I'll probably remember it in a moment or two. <laughs> um, just uh, let me give me one more moment. i can't can't bring it up, okay, I'll probably come back to that yeah um and Sylvie is behind you, and she's got the mic, so then you can um ask after her
3: um, <coughs> so it was very interesting to to take the walk and to notice a lot more than what I usually notice. I know last time that I did the day long, I noticed that um my mind was attracted to everything that was pleasant um what was interesting this time is um, I noticed um, both the pleasant and the unpleasant from um, every sense door. So there were smells that I liked and smells that I disliked, sounds that I liked, like the birds and others that I disliked, or same thing with sight. But I, I noticed my, my, my question was more related to the attitude because I noticed that um, all the things that I saw that were pleasant I really wanted to see more of them or really kind of zoom into this beautiful flower um, or tell the bird to keep singing. (laughs) Um, But the unpleasant was difficult to actually stay with it. So like, I noticed um, um, wanting to walk faster because I don't like the smell or um, this... Garden looks really ugly, and I don't want to look at it, or something like this. So, is the is the end like of the the practice? Is it to kind of once you notice, like, am I trying to make myself stay with what is unpleasant and be okay with it? Like, is there a second step?
0: So, um, I would say that the the practice will unfold more. Organically, You don't have, I mean, so you're noticing, for instance, like I went out there and it's like, oh, the smell of that tar, you know, it's an immediately unpleasant smell. For many of us, a very unpleasant smell. Um, and, you know, kind of, you know, I noticed it's like my mind wanted to find out where it is so I could avoid it, you know. It's like, where's it coming from? I didn't even see where it was coming from. But anyway, there, there was that, that movement of mind. Um, so what I would say is the most important thing at first is to notice the, uh, the not liking or the liking. You know, really, it's not so much trying to stay with the thing we don't like or stay with the thing that we, we, or not stay with the thing that we like, but really get familiar with the liking and not liking itself. So there's the smell of the tar and there's the not liking. You know, for some people, that not liking may be very, very strong. For other people, it may just be a kind of annoyance. And, and just kind of noticing the, the kind of intensity of that not liking, so I would encourage more of a of a recognition of the attitude there. It's like okay, this is this is what it's like to have a sense experience and not like it. You don't have to force yourself to stay with it, but you also don't have to um, make yourself not stay with it.
3: Yeah. So, like, I think I I tend to want to take an action when I don't like something. Yes. And so, for example, let me take, um, uh, okay, I go by a house and the sun is hidden and it feels cold. And I really want to walk faster through this block or this house because I want to be warm and be in the sun. Um, So I notice I don't like, I could do something very easy to actually get by faster should I stop myself from doing
0: that you know I would encourage for this day for this stretch of time to explore I mean sometimes there can be a very strong signal from the body that says don't go there you know it's like you're, you're pulled up short it's like don't do that I wouldn't try to force yourself through that strength or if there's a very strong pull of like wow this is dangerous let me move on faster you know that Yes, so, so if it's mild, if it feels milder, I would encourage exploring that mild wish and not acting on it and see what happens as you go. You know, it's... Uh, um, it's it, what we're exploring here is our relationship to these attitudes in, to some extent. So, uh, And the recognition that we don't have to be driven by those attitudes. So there are times when we, we do have the possibilities, like, yes, I could walk a little faster, and it's not a big deal. I could walk a little faster. Um, but what, what you're doing there, in, to some extent, is reinforcing that wanting and the um, being in control of how I want it to be. Um, there may come some time in your life where you don't have that control. And the, the capacity that we cultivate in these simple times, in these, these milder times, gives us the strength to, uh, to meet that when, you know, when there is less control. So it's a training, I would say. It's a training, and I'd encourage an exploration around, around it. Yeah. And then behind, yeah. And this will be the last question, and then we'll do another sit. Uh, I just wanted. I'm not sure is that on. Oh, is, oh no, okay. Um, just wanted to um, thank you for the listening versus hearing, and um, uh, seeing versus looking. So I, I thought that was because then you see the interest there when yes. you know when you're just seeing. Then then there's an interest, and then there's a looking, and then there's this ten, tendency to go more into. Um, to, like thinking, oh, that's, a, that, that's very interesting. Oh, they put the sign there or something like that. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and so again, you know, notice the interest. Notice the pull. Some of that pull will be greed and some of that pull will just be the quality of interest. And so, you know, it's like be, get familiar with, with those pulls and those motivations and those reasons. It's like um, uh, there's so much going on in our minds that we're not aware of again so you're you're starting to have some of that subconscious stuff bubble up we begin to see through this practice what is motivating our minds and um, uh, in seeing those motivations we can begin to um, you know there will be mixed motivations often you know uh, like in the Not liking of the smell of the tar, you know. Part of the motivation for avoiding it is the aversion. You know, it's like I don't like that. I don't want to go there. So part of that motivation is the aversion, and part of the motivation is the kind of recognition: the body basically saying, "This isn't healthy." You know, this is not good to have this kind of coating in the lungs. You know, so the the body is responding and saying, "That's not safe. That's not healthy." And so there's a kind of a meta uh, uh, um, intention also connected. Uh, So it's not like we have to force ourselves to go put ourselves in that situation of the not liking, but you might also not necessarily act on the not liking and instead explore we have these mixed motivations. It's like, yeah, there's that aversion. I don't like that. But then there's also this sense of it being a protective thing or a, a uh, a helpful thing for the system to not go there. And so connected with the feeling of kindness to our system to not go there. And so you, you can explore when you have those mixed motivations and maybe this also touches yours, your, your uh, question, the, the motivation of, of warmth being a supportive thing for your body. Um, if you find yourself wanting to act on one of those motivations, see if you can land a little bit more or consciously acknowledge, yes, there's aversion here and there's this wish to take care of myself. Can I land a little more fully in the wish to take care of myself than the, uh, than the pushing away? Because we are going to have mixed motivations and the recognition of that aversion is useful. We may be able to incline to act more out of the compassion or the kindness to ourselves than that aversion. So um, let's, um, let's do another meditation. So why don't you take another moment to stand and uh, let the body stretch a bit.